What brings a community together? Shared insights? Shared conversations? Welcome to Open Door by Cox Communities, tackling the big questions on the minds of smart community business leaders. Welcome back to Open Door by Cox Communities, where we're providing information for you to consider when making decisions for your multifamily communities. Discover the latest trends and technologies that are making some multifamily business owners stand out. I'm your host, Bess Friedman CEO, Brown Harris Stevens. Today, we're discussing what happens behind the scenes when large complex planned communities are being designed and built. Very pleased to be joined right now for the discussion by the president of the Phoenix region at the Howard Hughes Corporation, Keith Melton, and Christine Headland, the director of New Build Development at Cox Communications. Keith and Christine, welcome to the show. Well, welcome, Heath and Christine. Before we dive into our topic for today, I was wondering if each of you could take a moment to introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about the work that you do. And Heath, I would love to start with you. It's nice to be here, Bess. Thank you for having us. Uh, Tell you a little bit about myself, Heath Mountain. I'm our president for the Phoenix region for Howard Hughes. Uh, Prior to that, I I worked on our three mash plan communities in the Houston market. Many people have probably heard of them, the Woodlands, uh, Bridgeland and the Woodlands Hills. And, you know, one unique thing about me, uh, I've recently relocated to Arizona. I was originally grew up here in Arizona. I'm an Arizona native growing up in a small town, Sedona, Arizona, which most people that come to Arizona have visited. So it's really, really great for me to somewhat come back home and develop this new community called Terra Valles, which we'll talk a little bit more about here in the future. Got it. Very good. Christine, I just, why don't you fill us in a little bit about you? Yeah, Christine Headland. I am the director of new business development for Cox Communities working with folks like Heath in setting up infrastructure to their uh, communities, their properties, their multi-tenant families. So I've been with Cox for a little over, gosh, let me see, 14 years. And I've had roles in our business division as well as now residential for three years. It's a great history. Heath, the communities that Howard Hughes Corporation builds are massive and in many ways are small cities to themselves. For those of our listeners who may not be aware of some of your developments, can you please give us a taste of the scale of these communities and in particular, Summerlin and Las Vegas? I just came back from Vegas, by the way. All right, good. Yeah, so as we like to say at Howard Hughes, we develop premier master plan communities and commercial properties from Wall Street to Waikiki. So we have the Seaport District in New York, beautiful backdrop to Brooklyn Bridge. We have downtown Columbia, Maryland, which is truly the first master plan community developed in the nation. And so we own the balance of downtown there. We're focused on office, retail, hospitality, and multifamily. Um, And as we talked about a little bit during my introduction, uh, in the Houston market, we have three master plan communities there, the Woodlands, Texas, which is pretty large in scale, 22,500 acres. We have about 126,000 people living there today. One of our visions for the Woodlands was to create one and a half jobs for every rooftop, which we achieved about a decade ago. And that continues to be a focus for us. We also have more people that commute into the woodlands for work than out of the woodlands for work. So creating a central business district was key to the success of that community. And that's a focus for all of ours. 
We also have Bridgeland in, in the market. That's currently the number six selling mash plan community of the nation. A little bit smaller in scale, but it's still 11,400 acres. So at build out, roughly 70,000 residents will reside within Bridgeland. And a smaller one for us, the Woodlands Hills, just north of the Woodlands. We also have in the Las Vegas market, uh, Summerlin, Las Vegas, we'll be going into approximately our 40th year development of Summerlin. It's currently the number five selling master plan community in the nation. And we're starting to create that central business district, that downtown. Some cool elements about Summerlin right now, we have downtown Summerlin. We own the Las Vegas Aviators, which is right there in, in uh, the baseball team right there in downtown Summerlin. We've also attracted the Las Vegas Knights for the training facility in downtown Summerlin as well. And then I'll take you all the way out to Ward Village in Waikiki, Hawaii. We always say we like to go out there and have board meetings, not necessarily board meetings in a room, but out there hitting the waves on those surfboards. But out in Ward Village, great mash playing community for us. We're focused on condos, office, retail, and hospitality within that market. It's was honored as kind of the 2019 mash playing community of the year. So you kind of see a trend with our company. We definitely focus on kind of being best in class and a lot of things that we do. And now that we're getting into the Phoenix market, I know we'll talk a little bit more about Terra Ballas, so I won't take away from that, but Terra Ballas had the opportunity to lead the acquisition of that. Coming back home to uh, to Arizona was near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've been in Texas for 17 years, love Texas, but it's good to come back to a place where you grew up. Yeah, you guys are really pioneers, to say the least, what you're doing. It's really you know, so impressive. Uh, and Christine, when it comes to the properties that Heath develops, it is not just about the scale. Uh, tell us a little bit about the attention to every detail that Heath and his team put into their projects. You know, Heath and the Howard Hughes team, you know, truly are building more than just projects. They build community. You know, if you look at Summerlin and the plans for upcoming Terravallis, you'll see the emphasis to create just that. They bring in parks and schools. They add elements of outdoors and recreation. They incorporate business, retail. And in Summerlin, they have, well, as Heath mentioned, they have their own ballpark, you know, the Las Vegas Aviators. You know, uh, I should just say that, you know, uh, Howard Hughes doesn't just solve for the immediate needs. You know, they have a crystal ball. And they want to provide for the growth and demands of, say, 5, 10, 20 years down the road. And so we've met with the Howard Hughes team and discussions are often focused on bringing fast fiber to every home upon move in. They wanna make sure that their businesses have redundancy and diverse paths, and that this is done under an umbrella of sustainability, all with a technology partner that can provide just that. Well, Heath, when it comes to selecting a site for a new large planned community, what are some of the most important considerations when looking for a location, what are you guys targeting? Yeah, absolutely, Bess. If it's okay, I'll start with um, kind of our four key tenets of our DNA, and then I'll go into site selection a little bit. And I always like to kind of lead in with that uh, because that's what really drives the business decisions for us. So first and foremost, Mashable Design. Uh, we say we plan, plan, and plan again. And that's, that's very important to us because we know, as Christine said, it's not a two-year or five-year time horizon for us. It's multiple decades. So that planning element becomes so critical to everything we do. We like to embrace new technology and lean into cutting edge technology. And I say not necessarily bleeding edge, te bleeding edge technology. Uh, second to that is excellence and execution. And that's from everything that we do, whatever we show consumers, whether it's home buyers or businesses that wanna come and join us in our, in our future cities, we wanna make sure that we absolutely deliver on our promises. And then 
building for the future and what that means to us is truly embracing sustainability and resiliency and not just building an A for a day, but doing things that stand the test of time. And that's where technology becomes a, a critical component for that with us. And then last, but certainly not least, is being true creators of culture. And whether that's in an urban context or suburban context, how do we create those placemaking experiences that bring our residents together where they can live, enjoy their lives and make memories? And that's what uh, really creating the community is all about to us. And so that's always very critical. So when we go through a site selection process, there's some key elements that we always look for. You know, obviously good examples coming into the state of Arizona. We want to go into one of the fastest growing markets of the nation. Uh, Phoenix is in the top five. We look for very good, I'd say business friendly environments, which if you look at the states we're in, Texas, Las Vegas, Arizona, all those are, are, are great uh, business friendly climates. And we look at strong economic growth. And uh, again, all those states are kind of right up there with, with economic growth. And then last but, but not least, we want to see where, where are people migrating to? What are the migration patterns? What do they want from a lifestyle standpoint? And how do we help meet that, that, that need and that demand? And then specifically for Arizona and Texas, I'd say, uh, we look at housing, the need for housing. And a lot of people talk about housing and that's for sale and for rent. But right now the nation is definitely, especially in those high growth markets, is severely underserved with housing. And so how can we help meet that need? But we do it at the highest level possible to help enrich people's lives. Wow, that's pretty incredible. It's some mission statement. Yeah, there you go. Very impressive. But but Christine, from a provider perspective, what are some of the things that you need to know when you are partnering with a developer like Heath, who is starting a new project? What matter? What are you guys looking for? Well, first, I need to know what A for a day is. <laughs> Heath just throws these out. So, gosh, I would say what I need is access to his crystal ball. Because as I mentioned earlier, a true partnership is critical to the success of projects of this magnitude. You know, any provider can drop off a spool of fiber, but sitting at the table with key executives from each company and sharing what's possible and knowing that the provider will be here to back it up as each home or business is constructed. And all of this while being able to pivot, you know, if any of his plans change. Well, from both of your views, what are some of the biggest red flags that have popped up for you when evaluating uh, potential sites? Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably not so much as red flags, but we always like to say in our, in our space, if development was easy, everybody would do it. And absolutely not everybody does it. Uh, you have to have, uh, one, a very solid vision. Two, you have to be very diligent in your approach and you have to be dedicated, especially if we're looking at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 year time horizons. So that's always important. I'd say some of the challenges that we often face is just making sure that we build good partnerships. So as Christy already mentioned, you know, it's for us, it's not about just finding a consultant who can do the work. It's about building that dream team. Who's kind of the best within their space and how do we bring them into the fold and become long-term partners with them? So I'd say that's not a red flag, but that's always a challenge for us is as we go into a new market, who's, who's kind of the best of the best? How do we get them to work with us and to really establish those long-term partnerships, whether that's the planners that we work with, the engineers, the home builders, consultants um, in the fiber industry, et cetera. Um, that's always something that we have to really focus on and be diligent about pursuing and, and putting those in place. I'd say other ones is just like headline news. If you look at headline news, I know we'll talk about it a little bit here in a minute, um, but Arizona got a little bit of a black eye. 
that says we're out of water. And that is certainly not the case. Arizona has plenty of water. And I don't want to go too deep into it because I know that's going to be something we'll probably uh, dive into a little bit more. And then, and then also power. You often hear across the nation that there's rolling blackouts and power is an issue. And, and we're in a crisis for water and power. And, and that's very generally very local to a specific location within the nation. It's not broad-based. Phoenix, we're in a great spot for water. We're in a great spot for power. But it's something we have to focus on, especially when we're growing something the size, scope, and scale of Terra Valis. It's 37,000 acres, 58 square miles. Well, Christine, do you have any red flags, anything that you want to mention that's notable to you that you that you look out for? You know, just like Heath, I'm not sure we have any red flags yet. So you can ask me in another six months, you know, when construction starts out at Terra Valis. So fortunately, we were planning for this development, I want to say over thir- for over 30 years. So we've got ample fiber right outside their door. So, you know, I guess maybe I did have Heath's crystal ball way back then. Very lucky. Well, obviously, locations vary greatly from one to the next. But Heath, what are some of the things you look for when evaluating any existing infrastructure that may already be in place? Yeah, no, that's that's always important. When we look at acquisitions and new properties, especially ones of scale, you know, location, location, location is so important to us. Some of that has to do with existing infrastructure. Some of that has to do with the uh, overall economy, the job growth within the market, uh, the need for housing, uh, the need for employment centers. But for existing infrastructure, you know, we want to make sure that our properties have access and that we have good access and that doesn't become a pain point and that there's a definitive plan in place for future infrastructure that's going to support the growth of our of our project. Again, Terra Valles, 37,000 acres, 58 square miles. We plan on being 300,000 residents that build out. So we are building a small city um, and we'll have 55 million square feet of commercial space. So to help kind of put that in perspective, if you're a West Coast person or Pacific Northwest, think of Tacoma, Washington. Think of Irvine, California. That's what we're building. If you're from Texas, think of Frisco. If you're Midwest, think of St. Louis. That's the size, scope, and scale of Terra Valles. So it's Sometimes hard for people to understand that, but that's what we're doing. Uh, but getting back to your question, Bess, you know, as we look at Interstate 10, that gives us direct access east-west from close proximity to Phoenix. You know, we're within 40 miles of Phoenix. We're not too far from Flagstaff. We're not too far from Las Vegas. And that gives us quick access to the Port of LA and the Port of San Diego. So as we look at all the in-migration coming from California, especially on the light industrial side and uh, the distribution side, a lot of that's landing in the West Valley. That wouldn't happen if we didn't have existing Interstate 10. And then let's talk about some of the future infrastructure. Our property is positioned perfectly. We all have the future Interstate 11 that will come right through our property. Interstate 11 is proposed to be from Canada to Mexico. The first leg will be from Nevada, basically Las Vegas to I-10. And then if you know anything about the roadway systems here in Phoenix, we have somewhat of a loop system. You have the 101, and then you have the 303, which is further west of the 101, and then we'll have the future 505. And the 505 will also come through our property. So when we think about creating this large-scale master plan community, small city or edge city, and really creating those central business districts, that's where that infrastructure is so critical. So things along the future I-11 corridor, I-10, and the 505, that's where our job centers will be. That gives people quick access to a to attract those large-scale employment centers. So that's going to be important. And that's where we focus on our existing partnerships with anybody that has to do anything with infrastructure like ADOT or the counties or the cities. 
And then long-term planning as those start to come to fruition for things like the Interstate 11 extension and the 505. And that thought process, those are probably 15 years, maybe even 20 years out from happening. But how do we build that into our plan? How do we work with all the key stakeholders to make sure that we're not creating barriers for each other? And we continue to add to the successful growth of Arizona and the long-term economic success within the state of Arizona to include Phoenix. The other question is, you know, with things that are this large, these cities, how do you evaluate the infrastructure needs? Like, how do you, that seems so overwhelming to me as I think about that. How do you guys go about doing that? Yeah, the great thing is, like I said, not too long ago, we like to build the dream team. There's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than I am uh, that have very good visions that understand infrastructure. You know, we hire some of the best engineers in the market, some of the best planners in the market, and some thought leaders that are within our space that help us think a little bit differently. You know, we, we look at decades. This first 10 years is going to be a lot different than the next 10 years, a lot different than the year 20 to 30. Um, so just making sure that we that we have one, a vision, we have a plan on a decade by decade uh, standpoint, and that we continue to uh, keep our eye on the ball to support that growth. You know, there's one constant in life, and I think we can all agree to that, and that's change. Yeah, change is always going to happen. And if you dig your heels in, um, you're going to miss the mark. We're not going to meet the demands of the consumer. We're not going to meet the demands of the, of the market. So just embracing change is always critical. Great. It's not easy, though. It's easy. I mean, people really have a hard time. You know, that's where people pull back. But I agree. That's why you guys are so successful, because you've been able to do that really well. So, Christine, what steps do you take with developers like Heath to ensure that their projects are primed and ready for growth into the future? You know, a provider needs to come to the table with the mindset of future focused. You know, we need to be joined at the hip to plan for emerging technologies and services for not just residential, but for commercial, retail, IoT, smart city applications, you know, and by designing the fiber infrastructure to accommodate those developments. A developer like Howard Hughes has their vision of what they want for their residents and business owners. They want to make sure that the provider they choose can flex. I can talk about delivering conduit to each home and business and stringing the fastest fiber through that conduit, but that doesn't even sound sexy. So when you talk about over 60, let's see, what is it? 64 million homes in the U.S. are actively using smart devices compared to 39 million back in 2018. You know, that is growth. And there's an estimated, I don't know, probably for some homes, it's even more, an estimated 22 smart devices per home. And that's growth. Managing traffic patterns, lighting, security through smart city deployment is growth. And doing all of this with sustainability at the forefront would ensure that Powered Hughes and Heath are ready for growth in the future. It's crazy. That's really, that is a lot of growth. It's basically doubled. People who are using, you know, smart devices. I think I have like 10. I just have, I'm not that big of an adopter. <laughs> so I don't know, Heath, how many do you have? Oh, we, we have plenty. I'd say we're probably <laughs> north, north of 20. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in on smart devices in my house. Anything that can make it uh, easier for me. Yeah. Make you more efficient is a plus. Well, when it comes to any project out West, like Summerlin that you mentioned, water is a major issue. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you approach this critical resource in your planning and the sustainability of your communities. Yeah, for sure. So 
sustainability and resiliency is always top of mind for us. And you'll see that throughout our portfolio. Since you brought up Summerlin, just talk a little bit about Summerlin. Uh, you know, obviously the Nevada market, Arizona market, a lot of similarities. We're, we're building communities within a, a desert environment, but what oftentimes is relatively dry and not plentiful in rain. So we have to be very conscious about water use, water reuse, and that goes all the way down to what we do within the homes, what we do outside of the homes, and with with what we can control within our design guidelines. So Summerlin actually has been a leader within that space. If you look at the uh, the state of Nevada and specifically the city of Las, Las Vegas, Summerlin has re received multiple accolades for water conscious development. And uh, we actually have used less water today in 2020 through 2022 than we did in 2028 or 2018, excuse me, despite adding over 6,000 households within that community, adding downtown Summerlin, adding the Las Vegas Aviators Ballpark, adding the Las Vegas Knights training facility. So with all that growth that we've done within Summerlin, we actually used less water than we did in 2018. And and how do we do that? Uh, we did that by going back. We, you know, obviously Summerlin's been under development for <clears throat> going on almost 40 years. And way back when the community was started, there was a lot of non-functional turf that was planted. So on our own dollar, we went back and removed all that non-functional turf and we replaced that with drought tolerant plant materials. That's very desert scape or desert friendly. We replaced all the irrigation controllers. So they're all smart irrigation controllers that are weather-based. And we replaced some of our irrigation that was just spray irrigation that often led to runoff down the streets and, and put in new drip irrigation. So that focus on water cons conservation has been paramount for us in, in Las Vegas. And so what we have the benefit of doing at Howard Hughes, we have these amazing communities nationwide, like I said, Wall Street to Waikiki. So we can take the best practices from those communities and bring them into our planning process for Terraballus. So as we're getting ready to uh, launch Terraballus, we're already under construction. Uh, we're One of our key focuses obviously is water and to making sure that we are a water conscious community and that keen focus on conservation. So right now with what we're putting in our design guidelines, and, and that's the great thing about being a master developer, is we can control that in our design guidelines and what we impress upon home builders or commercial developers, et cetera. So our, our target right now is a 35% reduction from the baseline in water use. So I'll help kind of frame that up. If you look at it from a national standpoint, on a national average, gallons per day per person is 164 gallons. At the state of Arizona, if we look at the Arizona Department of Water Resources, that average is 146 gallons per day per person. Our target is 95 gallons per day per person. So that's a 35% reduction in water use. And so that's that's something that we've partnered with an organization, the EPA, and they have a water sense program. So every home that's built within Terravallis has to go through the water sense certification that's backed by the EPA. Also, every home will have to go through the Energy Star certification process. So not just the focus on water, but the focus on our carbon footprint and putting that stress on the grid. Um, so those those are key things for us that we're going to focus on. And not only just water use or consumption, but water reuse. And as you talked about best building infrastructure, we're, we're building the city. We're building the, the water campus. We're building the wastewater treatment facility. We're building the power substation. We're building the major gas line that's going to come into the community. So with that, you know, we'll build a water reclamation plant that treats that gray water or effluent to A plus effluent that can be used in common areas to irrigate landscaping and open space. 
It can be reused to directly recharge the aquifer directly below the ground with the direct injection wells. And we'll also have recharge basins so that really monitoring every last drop of water is very important to us because we know it's a water stressed environment, um, but we're going to do everything we can to partner with key stakeholders like the city of Buckeye, Arizona Department of Water Resources, even the governor's office to help impart great development because we know there's a need for housing. But if we don't really focus on quality development, then we're missing the mark. Great. Well, uh, you know, the same vein, when you're planning for these communities, you're talking about water. But what factors do you consider for the residential side of your property? What things are you guys thinking about? Yeah. So we talked about water use. There's really water's use in two fashions. One is indoors and one is outdoors. So through the WaterSense program, that's where we really kind of dive into the indoor water use. So think about low flow fixtures, your faucets, your toilets, your shower heads, even your appliances like dishwashers and washing machines. So all those that can have to meet that water sense certification. And those that those appliances or faucets or fixtures, just the water sense labels, they've been certified automatically 30% reduction in household water consumption. So that's what we'll do with indoors. Uh, the other thing, you know, not that we're in a very humid climate, uh, but think about ACs, air conditioning, so as they get that condensate, oftentimes that just drips off on the outside of the house. We're going to make sure that that's tied into the plumbing stack. So that goes back to our water reclamation plant. So every last drop of water that we can get, we're going to reuse. Now let's go to the outdoors. The outdoors is, is often pretty challenging too. Um, so because we're master developers, we control uh, the landscaping that's installed in every home. Uh, so all the landscaping has to meet our design guidelines drought tolerant, desert friendly planting. It's on the Arizona Department of Water Resources approved plant list. And that's that's what we hold ourselves to, that's what we hold our builders to, et cetera. Irrigation controllers, all of our irrigation controllers will be smart irrigation controllers. They'll all be weather-based. So when it does rain, not that it rains a ton here, but when it does rain, that turns off those irrigation controllers. And then we'll work with the city of Buckeye on smart uh, water meters. So another big water loss usually happens because there's leaks. Um, so if we have smart water meters, that'll give the city and give ourselves an indication when there's more water that's flowing to houses than normally should occur. So that would say, throw up a red flag, there might be a leak on the private side of that meter. So it's going to help them identify that there's potentially get that addressed. So there's not water loss that's being taken place within the community. And what about for commercial and retail space? Do you approach those aspects of the community differently? No. So the great thing, which I didn't talk about on the front end, the other part about our company is we are fully vertically integrated. The only thing we don't build is single family housing today. Uh, we build our own multifamily. We build our own office, our own retail, our own hospitality, and we'll get into the light industrial and logistics space in the Arizona market. So we're not selling that land off to somebody else. We're not merchant builders. Uh, we stay invested in our communities for the long term. And so whatever we impress upon, you know, from the residential side and the commercial side, we're impressing that upon ourselves. So I talked about residential with WaterSense and Energy Star certification. On the commercial side, our goal is LEED. Everything that we do is going to be LEED certified. And our, our stretch goal, if you will, is to make sure that it's LEED silver. And so by achieving those, that helps reduce um, from a water conservation standpoint by meeting those metrics that are outlined by LEED. Uh, from a carbon footprint standpoint, making sure that we have very efficient buildings, you name it. Those are great programs to follow and we're going to hold ourselves to them. Well, Christine, what are some of the best practices you've observed with regards to ensuring 
that the various tactical, technical needs of residential, commercial, and retail are met. You know, I feel as I've already highlighted, you know, the value of fiber to the home for the residential customers. So I'll just add a little on the commercial and retail space. You know, businesses are relying on robust broadband service to provide enterprise services, enable remote access for teleworkers, which we know is, you know, huge right now, uh, running complex software applications and reaching their data on an offsite server and data centers. And because of the importance of broadband internet access, it's becoming even more critical for businesses to purchase internet service from a provider that can offer diverse path to minimize the risk of any service disruption, as well as a partner that can provide network security, which, you know, after what went on in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, you know, is more vital than ever. Yeah, agree with that. Well, Heath, a big part of the philosophy of the Howard Hughes Corporation is building projects and communities that are there for the long term and are generational, which you talked a bit about. I don't want us to be redundant, but tell us a little bit about how this influences the way that you plan your communities. Yeah. So I'd like to touch on it kind of first and foremost, oftentimes people that are in the real estate market, they hear kind of a tagline associated with master plan communities. So it's live, work, play. So we absolutely want to make sure that we deliver on all those. And we have prime examples of doing that in the Woodland, Summerlin, and future here in Terravallis. The other component that we like to add in there are another piece is places of worship. So we want to make sure our residents have a place to congregate. Like I talked about parts of our four, our four DNA being created as a culture. Well, that's an urban setting, their suburban setting. Those places of congregation where they can feel like they're part of a community are huge. So as we develop out our communities, you'll often see residents that might've moved into the Woodlands or Bridgeland or Summerlin. And as they move up or down within their life stage, they stay in our communities. We've had residents that have bought their third and fourth and fifth homes within our communities because they absolutely fall in love with what we do. And that that's a key component to our success. When we plan our communities, we want to make sure being good stewards in the environment that uh, we give our residents the opportunity to explore the outdoors. And so how do we do that? We often dedicate between 20 and 25% of our land to green space, parks, pools, amenity centers. And so by doing that, that gives them one, that that place of activity that they can go and meet people to helps them lead a more healthy lifestyle because they're getting out, they're hiking, they're biking, or they're going to the amenity centers uh, where they can swim and keep their fitness in check. And then outside of that, when we start to develop, I mean, you'll hear within the real estate space that rooftops drive retail. So new communities, we always start with the rooftops, whether that's for sale or for rent. And as we build that base of critical mass that drives the need for retail, then the retail moves in, which we're going to own and operate. And we partner with um, different retailers throughout the nation to bring those levels of services into our community. As we get that critical mass from home sites to retail, then that starts to drive the need for commercial so people can work within their community. And it's this virtuous cycle. Uh, so the, the benefit of us being long-term is we're not gonna let a lot of those assets go in disrepair. We take pride in them, we, we operate them, we maintain them, and we'll make sure it doesn't diminish the value for our community. Those whereas we're somewhat different than others, and I'm not saying other developers don't focus on quality or don't focus on value creation, but to us, it's meaningful. We look at price per acre and how do we increase that over time? That's by taking care of our assets, taking care of our land and making sure that we're focused on consumers' needs. And then a long-term focus on net operating income because we're in there for the long-term. Uh, we don't sell off those commercial assets. We're fully vested 
from day one through through year 50. Wow. You guys uh, take pride in your reputation, the culture. You guys really created something special. So, well, Christine, I'm going to, before we wrap up, I just wanted to give each of you an opportunity to leave us with anything that you'd like to. And Christine, I'll go to you first. Is there any sort of, I don't know, uh, some wisdom, pearls of wisdom you want to share? Anything you'd like to leave the audience with that you think is super or Is that just open topic, Bess? I mean, I could sit here all day and give you... Thought. Anything, fashion, <laughs> fashion, music, whatever you well, want. Well, you know, you I do, it. and I keep telling Heath, I do have the original plans for Terra Vallis, and it was originally called Sun Valley, and it was started back in 1988. And surprisingly, Heath, I was going through this last night. I mean, you're supposed to be building like five golf courses. Um, you have way more residents that than that was initially planned, so... We'll have to get together and, and have a cocktail and, and see, you know, how you've advanced since 1988. So my my parting thought would be, gosh, I don't know, you know, whether your project or development is 100 homes or 100,000 homes like Caravallis, you want to find a technology partner and make them family. And I mean, like, like the good part of the family, because we've got a lot of growing to do together. I mean, these projects take years. And the residents and businesses are relying on both of us, you know, in partnership to make sure that that they are able to adapt or flex and automate. I mean, that's kind of the buzzword now is is automate. Heath, well, anything you'd like to leave the audience with? You guys have been great. So it's been so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd echo that sentiment uh, that Christy mentioned. Partnerships are, are paramount. And how do we build relationships with multiple key stakeholders within the market. Like I said, becoming good partners with the city of Buckeye, that's critical for us with the state of Arizona. And then all of our supporting uh, team members are supporting cast. We like to build that dream team, whether it's the engineers, the planners, our different providers from a uh, cable standpoint or internet or fiber standpoint. Those are very, very important, those long-term partnerships. And before I close, just a few key facts for me or things that I like to say. Prior in the army, I was a field artillery officer. I did that for just under six years. And people always ask me about my experience being an artillery guy. And I said, it was great. And uh, they said, well, how did you go from from the army to real estate? I said, it was easy. I went from blowing up land to developing land. That's always fun. Love it. See, I told you he has good stories. Great stories and so smart and obviously cares greatly about what you're doing, the work that you do, you know, and that it, sh it shows. So I just want to say thank you. Yeah, this has been excellent. So informative. So thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the day. All right. Thank you, Bess. You all have a good one. Thank you, Bess. Thank you, Heath. Thanks again to Heath and Christine for being on the show today and discussing the do's and don'ts of designing and building large complex plan communities. You can learn more about the amazing work being done by Heath and the Howard Hughes Corporation on their website, howardhughes.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review. Thanks again for listening. I'm Bess Friedman, and this has been Open Door, brought to you by Cox Communities.